Howdy. Welcome to another episode of Canon Calls. I'm your host, Jake McAtee. And this week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Larson Hicks of the Larson Hicks YouTube channel. I very much appreciated his channel and the videos there. We talked about one of those videos today, which was what liberals, Baptists, and hardcore Presbyterians have in common, which is essentially just a sort of lack of uh, an idea of a covenant formation of, of identity, an identity crisis. This is who we are and this is what we do. Along those same lines, one title that was sort of in my head that whole conversation was Douglas Wilson's To a Thousand Generations. It's finally here on audio and you can go listen to that at mycanonplus.com. If you want a platform with a ton of great, phenomenal content, edifying content that makes you a better person, a better Christian, a better neighbor than you were yesterday, please go make an account at mycanonplus.com. To a Thousand Generations, Douglas Wilson's book on baptism is there. We have a new interview on sex, horror, and guilt with Douglas Wilson and E. Michael Jones. There's all kinds of content on there. Go support us at mycanonplus.com. Now, without further ado, meet Larson Hicks. All right, now welcoming on the show, Larson Hicks of the Larson Hicks YouTube channel. Larson, thanks so much for coming on, man. Hey, it's great to be here, Jake. Thanks for having me. For folks that don't know, although anybody when I'm about town, everyone seems to know who Larson Hicks is but me. (laughs) I'm Moscow from 2016 on, so you're before my time. But everyone else, all of my friends know who you are. But for the rest of everyone listening, do you mind filling in some gaps? Who is Larson Hicks? Oh man. Okay. Well, that's 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 the question right there. Yeah. So I lived in Moscow for twelve years. So that's that's uh, how that's the reason I know so many of your friends um, out there. We left in twenty fourteen, um, but we got there. I got there in twenty two two thousand two um, to go to New St Andrews, and then stuck around for a while. Um, so yeah, I'm. Um, I worked at MZ, you know, along with everybody in Moscow and uh Yeah, yeah. For yeah. a long time. And then uh I was involved and in, I, I helped start a, a a men's rugby league, uh boys rugby league and a men's rugby team and coached at Washington State and there in Moscow and then helped ki- and then kicked off the uh NSA's rugby program. That was kind of my my swan song. That was like the last cool thing I did before I left. And then while I was there, uh, I also used to promote concerts on the side, just kind of a side hustle passion of mine. So I did that for a long time. And then, yeah, now today I, uh, I run a physician staffing company. We actually have a few interns in Moscow, which is fun. Everyone's remote on the team. So get to employ people all over the place, which is fun. And then, uh, yeah, I'm an elder at a CREC church. We planted here, uh, just about two years ago. So here in Huntsville, Huntsville, Alabama, and that's been going amazingly. So yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's enough. That's that's enough of a background. Sure. And then tell me. So actually, real quick, I've written a few things down here. This aforementioned YouTube channel has titles such as "Persistence in the Art of the Nag," "Startup Porn in the Corporate Rat Race," "Why You Should Not Plant a Church," "Stop Calling Coworkers Family." How to land a good job. Price gouging is good. 
What do Flaming Lives, Baptists, and Hardcore Presbyteries have in common? And dating tips, making a good first impression. Larson, what am I looking at? What is this channel? Yeah. Well, the channel was inspired by, uh, I went to the Fight Laugh Feast uh, conference a couple, uh, I guess last year was the one where Doug Tenaple was spoke. And one of the things he said was, you know, he was kind of, he was kind of uh, bringing it to all the Luddites that are like anti-social media. And he just said his point was, what, what, what would the Apostle Paul have done to have a YouTube channel or a Facebook account? And I was like, that's an interesting perspective. And his, his comment, his kind of exhortation was, don't overthink it. Just get on social media and be public about, you know, the things you're thinking about in your life. And just you'll be surprised at, at the kind of reactions and the kind of impact you can make. And I thought, oh, that's a great idea. And so that was kind of the genesis for me was just like, oh, maybe I should do this YouTube thing. And then it's uh, from there as an elder at this church that's growing very quickly. You know, there's not there's not enough bandwidth to sit down and have detailed conversations with everybody every day, you know, but there's a lot of questions. And one of the things that's interesting about our church and it's probably similar up in Moscow right now is we, we're getting we just have people from, you know, Presbyterian backgrounds, Church of Christ backgrounds, Baptist backgrounds, non-denominational. So it's like there's nothing that we can really take for granted that we all kind of agree on. Sure, sure. And so kind of what's become almost my operating modus operandi, I guess, for for what videos I upload or or record, it's like if I have a conversation at least two or three times in the church, it's like, oh, this is probably something that there's a bunch of people in our community who are who are interested in or thinking about. And uh, I, I should just upload a video and then a bunch of people can check it out. Now, in terms of the aesthetic of the channel, was it your decision to shave the mustache or is there a producer there that sort of advises? How, how do you make that decision? You know, the board got together. <laughs> uh, the PR department was pretty adamant uh, against the mustache. The marketing people loved the mustache. It was, yeah, I was going to say it's the wrong move to have gotten rid of it. So yeah, we had it out. We had it out. And no, actually the mustache. Okay. So the genesis of the mustache was my teenage son and I play a lot of uh, disc golf. Oh man. Yeah. Okay. Do you guys wear, you guys are like Chacos and stuff too? Oh yeah. You got to play in yeah. Chacos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's essential kit. Yep. And then one day uh, he was dry. He was like throwing a big throw and I got a phone call and, and just made the mistake of like absentmindedly meandering out in front of him uh, while I was on the phone and he okay. didn't notice. And oh, no. he threw this like super hard throw and called my name helpfully right before it was going to smash the back of my head. And I turned around and it smashed my lip and uh, I ended oh, up having to get no. stitches on my lip and I couldn't shave for, for like, I don't know, six weeks or so while I had this, these stitches. And so I ended up with a mustache um, and it. I've never had a mustache before. I didn't think I could grow a mustache. So I just kind of rolled with it for a while. My wife hated it forever. I mean, hated it from day one, but yeah. sort of tolerated it. Sure. And it kind of just became a joke. <laughs> and then, yeah, for Christmas, you know, like a typical dude, I didn't have a great Christmas present idea. And I was like, I could shave the mustache and that would make yeah. a huge impact and would cost me zero dollars. Right. But at, but at what other costs, you know, you have to do the math on those as well. To be honest, I haven't really felt a whole lot of, of negative, uh, of downside okay. from this decision. It's my wife well, we'll kisses see. me more. Well, I, well, fair enough. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to compete with that, but 
Okay, so I one video in particular got my attention, and it was concerning the commonalities between flaming liberals, Baptists, and hardcore Presbyterians. And I was interested. Sweet. I, I generally love to see Baptists as like a little brother that you are nugging all the time. <laughs> um, and so I was eager to bring you on and let you talk about it. You've since uploaded a part two, which we got to talk about that. Uh, Larson, no one hit a home run off a check swing. We'll, we'll get to the part two, but you should just tell us about part one. Okay. Well, so, uh, you know, one, one, th- and, and maybe the reason why the, the part two in part is, you know, we are a church that's, that's huge on being a you know, Catholic with a small C ecumenical. And, and we as a church have tons of Baptists. I grew up Baptist. So it's like, I, I'm with you on the kind of noogie thing. We kind of rid yeah, each other all yeah. the time, and it's it's a very cordial, inside the family kind of kind of a playful thing. But the uh, the video, so the 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 video came about because yeah, this comes up a lot at our church, where we've got we've got Baptists uh, or even Reformed Baptists who are who are wrestling with the idea of of pedo baptism, and it just doesn't feel right, you know. And yeah, but certain implications do feel right, like the the covenantal stuff feels right to them. It's just the actual practice of baptizing babies, you know? And so I was invited to lunch uh, with this family that was, that was kind of evaluating our church and also evaluating this whole paedo baptism thing. Even though it's not like a a bar, you've got to clear to be a member of our church. They were just kind of wrestling with it and wanted to hear my thoughts. And I I keep, and I, I, I recall to them this experience I had when I was in Moscow, I put on about a hundred concerts, a number of music festivals, and it was all secular bands, mostly bands from the Pacific Northwest. So you can guess their their political and religious philosophies. And you know what ended up happening invariably. I mean, this happened so many times; it was really funny. Is I'd be in the green room with these these people uh, from these bands and we'd just be talking, you know, about life. And you know, I'd find out they have kids and I go, oh, tell me about your kids. And, and they'd start telling me about their little boy, you know, and, and they'd start like, oh, he's great. He's like, so into baseball. He just loves it. He's out there with his bat all day. And, and the kid can't get enough of like, you know, army, you know, figures and guns and, and, you know, just being a typical boy and, uh, and, and you'd see this like realization somewhere where they're like, oh, I've got to, I've got to make the qualification. And they'd stop and say, but just to be clear, we didn't force any of that on them. Like we gave them the option, you know, to play with dolls and girl stuff too. They just chose the boy stuff. And I always just found that to be so, so, um, just so you know that we're not like a bigot, a racist and, and fascist. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it just always, I always thought about, man, what kind of psychological impact that have on a kid to grow up with parents who are always saying, we think you might be a boy, you know, but we're not sure, you know, and maybe you're a girl and, and, oh, you're, you're like, uh, you're being nice. That's kind of a girly thing. Maybe you're a girl, you know, and, and, and now you're, you're being tough. Maybe you're, maybe you're a boy. Um, and just how confusing that's got to be for, for those kids. And so it just kind of struck me that there's something uh, analogous to that, that that's done by both Baptists and I think, uh, you know, kind of the hardcore table fencing, you know, Presbyterians who who may baptize their babies, but then not really trust that their election is legit, you know, until they they show a certain degree of like a confirmation. 
Yeah, right. Exactly. Which is funny that that's a uh, that's upsetting to to Presbyterians to say. <laughs> oh yeah, that's like First Holy Communion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. My my wife grew up with that in the Catholic Church. So yeah, that was the basic. That was the basic point. Was just like you know when we raise our kids. I get the benefit of being able to grab my kids by their baptism, as Pastor Wilson always says. And I get to say, you know, hey, son, you're a Christian, and Christians don't behave that way because the Word of God tells us how to behave, right? And, and when it comes to the the crazy gender stuff, it's like we all we all do this. Like with our sons, if our son hits our our daughter, you say, son, you know, you're never allowed to hit a girl. You know, you're a, you're a man. We're supposed to protect women, and. Uh, and so, you know, again, conservative Christians would all agree on that point, but then it just gets weird, you know, when you're dealing with our with your kids, if you're a Baptist or you're or you're one of these kind of hardcore Presbyterians or Lutherans for that matter, um, just hardcore table fencers, anti-Pedo communion folks, you you sort of get into this weird zone where it's like, we think maybe you're a Christian or you're probably gonna become a Christian, but we just can't really fully start treating you like one. Hey man, we sure hope so. I mean, we really hope so. Yeah, we yeah. really hope so. Yeah. So anyway, that was the that was the gist of that of that video. Yeah. So I'm curious in terms of uh, your how did you grow up? Like, what were what are is there anything of that story that you told that you you think like man that that's kind of what I grew up with? Yeah. I mean, at some level, fortunately, I mean, and this is kind of what I got into on the second video is fortunately most of us with wrong thinking about any number of things and God's kindness to us, we're inconsistent. You know, um, yep. and that was my experience growing up. I grew up Baptist, but my parents treated me like a Christian and raised me like a Christian. I, we had Bible studies in our home all growing up. And so it was really just for me, I think I was like seven when I was like, uh, what do I got to do to like, you know, seal the deal here? You know, like I, I feel yeah. like, you know, and so <laughs> it was like, well, you got to yeah. just pray the prayer and uh, I'm like, cool, let's do it, you know, and then let's get baptized. And so that was my experience. So I never grew up feeling like this, like really hardcore dichotomy or this really, you know, hardcore pressure. I will say that like my, my wife was Catholic and we started dating in high school and my, my reformed Baptist pastor refused to, to admit her to the table. And, uh, because he didn't think her baptism was legit. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really frustrating for her. And it was, it was frustrating for me too. Is that, cause I was like, well, and, and, I spent a lot of time trying to convince her to get baptized at that point. And her uh and to her credit, she kind of stood her ground and said, Look, if you marry me someday, I'll do I'll 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 get baptized many times you want me to. But at this moment, I'm gonna stick with what my parents want me to do, which was totally cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I uh there is something very it, it seems seemingly very powerful, and I feel like Americans maybe don't take this on as much as we should, at least in name. But there is a, uh, I mean, you're in Alabama. I'm sure there are things. It's like, man, when in Alabama, you do Alabama things. There are certain colors you might wear. There are like certain. You're born a a a, a tiger or or a, a, a Alabama fan. I mean, it's there's not a middle ground. You are born. I mean, day one, they usually have a onesie on for Alabama yep. or for Pur um, purple and gold or crimson. And and there is something awesome about that. And there's something very unique about that. And I do think Americans are very good. In my experience growing up, I would do my best to sort of tap into some of those, but I never necessarily felt like I had my own or, you know, I 
I always very much appreciate. We have like several dads around the office here that like I'll overhear something of like, you know, when they use their last name, like talking to their kids, you know, we are the Smiths. This is what the, we're, you know, these are what the Smiths do. This is what we're like. And it's a very, this is who we are and this is what we do kind of thing. And I think that's super potent in the life of, of a young person. Totally. Well, I, I would say, I mean, th- this is one of the, this is one of the huge massive challenges I think in culture today is we're, we're totally nomadic, you know, and it's one of, you know, I, I have a lot of friends who are military and when they get out of the military, they're like, wow, like this is really difficult having so many options. And I've had so many conversations with, with younger men early in their career who are like, I'm, I'm paralyzed by all the options. It's like, I can do and be anything I want. And that should be a blessing, but it actually feels like a curse because I don't know what I'm supposed to be. And, and so there's, we, we all, um, I think long for, for roots and depth and, and I, and I think when our kids fall away from the faith, you know, they're usually falling away from the faith because they don't have, they don't have those roots, you know, the, the cultural liturgical, elements of our faith the rituals the songs the the holidays those are the things that that sort of are kind of the incarnation of our faith they're they're the ways that we live out our faith you know and so it, it becomes if you don't have any of those things then it becomes really really easy i think to lose your faith cuz cuz it's just like ideas floating in your brain but w- what i love about the way that we are able to raise our kids um, is my kids sing wholeheartedly every Sunday the hymns and psalms that we sing at church. They're there among us. They they say they say the loud amens. Um, the first time that that after we moved from Moscow, the first Sunday we were at a church where I think my daughter at that time was four, three or four, um, and it was her first Sunday where we had to say you're not allowed to take communion at this church. She cried. I mean, she, and it wasn't like a we, you know, we weren't trying to like make it a bigger deal than it was. We were trying our best to kind of downplay it, but she, she just instinctively felt this like sorrow about the fact that like I, what's the deal? I thought I was, I thought I was one of like I thought this was something I was a part of, and so, uh, so yeah, I think we I, yeah, we do yeah. a great disservice to our kids by holding them at arm's length and not giving them access to to, uh, you know, all, all of the aspects and elements of our faith, because we're waiting for them to like, we're not willing to accept childlike faith. You know, we're, we're waiting for something more substantial instead of nurturing the little, you know, fanning into flame, the, the little bit of, uh, of a childlike faith that they have. So, uh, you did do a follow-up. Do you want to, I want to give you the stage Anything that you feel like you changed in nature or based on the feedback you got that you did another one? Yeah. I mean, it it was mostly just wanting to make clear what I wasn't saying. I, you know, what I wasn't saying is, you know, it wasn't a one-to-one. It was the, the liberals doing psychological damage to their children on the gender topic is not, I wasn't trying to say it's, it's like, and therefore I think also Baptists and hardcore Presbyterians are, are also doing psychological damage. It was more just like, here's an extreme example that I hope uh, challenges you as it did me to sort of consider what kind of impact my doctrine and my ideology or whatever on this topic is, what kind of impact it's having on my kids. And 
it's just a, a, a tool, uh, an analogy that that hopefully will will um, help you look at your your position on these things maybe through a slightly different lens that you hadn't before. Uh, but I but I make all the points I think I just made about you know just God is uh, you know, love covers a multitude of sins. God's gracious to us um, even when we're stupid about certain things and and um, and I, I've met a lot of Baptists who are doing and and hardcore Presbyterians who are doing a tremendous job raising their kids up in the faith and so it's not like an automatic I'm not trying to argue that's like an automatic thing in terms of uh, any of the other things you've covered so you you've had the YouTube channel it's still fairly new but you've been going you've probably hit a rhythm by now what are you seeing? Even just in like raw analytics, like what are the things you notice are getting the most hits? You know, early on, I was kind of interested in talking a lot about uh, work stuff because I had a lot of folks. This was kind of, you know, a lot of this. I mean, it's like six months ago, but but just think back six months ago, there there were a lot of folks who were really wrestling with with job questions because of all the vaccine stuff. And so I was having just tons of conversations at church about about um about work. And so there's a lot of videos there and and a number of them that got a lot of traction. Stop calling coworkers family, uh, the household employment equals slavery, um startup porn and the co- corporate rat race. You know, those those three are probably all all got a lot of traction. In terms of the uh stop calling coworkers family, I'm very curious. I feel like that's probably one that most people uh it's a seemingly well-intentioned thing but you, you see more there tell me a little bit about that one i think corporations are are false families you know it used to be that the three sort of spheres were the church the state and the household and um we've added this fourth sphere of of the corporation and it's really a false household that's trying to sort of uh usurp i think in a lot of ways it's trying to divide and conquer the household it's like you know, we want mom and dad working separately. We want to put kids in schools, state schools. You know, the ideal uh, employee at a corporation really is like a gay, you know, man <laughs> that's enslaved to their lusts and and, yeah. is, and and has no roots and is happy to move around a lot. And so that's part of it. But but the the reason why I, I think it's it's really unhealthy to call employees family. And I learned a lot of this from the book, uh, The Alliance by, I believe it was the guys who started LinkedIn, uh, whose names escaped me. But but the idea was, was a family is not a good metaphor for a business because it's really a performance-based relationship at the end of the day, you know, and, and a better metaphor is like a sports team, you know, where there can be a lot of camaraderie, there can be a lot of love and, and a lot of uh, teamwork and and there can be a lot of tradition and all, all kinds of things that that happen in a team but at the end of the day we all know like if if you stop if if you get injured or you stop you know connecting on your passes you're gonna get cut you know from the team because it's you got to win games you know I mean that's the that's the purpose Freddie Freeman won't always play for the Braves that's right exactly yeah. so so I you know I, I just think it's unhealthy to, to refer to your coworkers and I think, to be honest, I think whether they're doing it intentionally or not, I think most employers do it when they're calling their their employees family. I think it's I think it's a form of manipulation. Usually, it's a way to try to to create this like emotional bond, you know, and this kind of emotional pressure. It's like, hey, we're all family here, you know. Um, and who, you know, you wouldn't abandon your 
your family just because, you know, just because of a small dispute or because you weren't getting enough money or whatever. So I, I think it's I think it's kind of manipulative and unhealthy. And I and I would rather I would rather see us use the adopt the the metaphor of a team. So I think that's a lot more a, a lot closer analogy uh, to, to what's happening at work. I'm curious in terms of like that kind of content. I was um, even to your the previous video's point about um, the sort of I don't want to push anything. I want sort of a gen. I want my child to have sort of this genuine uh, affection for whatever is in front of them, whether that's their gender or I graduated high school like in 2010. So, but I feel like growing up, I heard a lot of parents talk about you know like that's probably why I wouldn't put them in a Christian school is I don't want to push anything on them or. That's one way to make sure, you know, you, someone has a hollow faith is if you're like sort of pushing it on them. But I also think at the same time, I feel like I hear that infinitely less, um, that that's sort of something where Christians, especially as, as everything has kind of gotten wild, more wild in the secular world, everyone's sort of battening down the hatches. Have you seen content, like even in terms of like how you're addressing things, have you seen... I guess have takes changed, like for example, like that one where it's like, oh, you wouldn't hear, you probably wouldn't do that video because you honestly don't hear very many Christians say that anymore. I don't want to press. Does that make sense? Have you seen other ways in which does that influence how you do your videos and things like that? Yeah, I'm not all that interested in just beating the 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 drum, you know. And and the CREC is a very small little niche group, and and I, you know, I could probably come up with a hundred video topics that would that would just you know, be a huge hit in the series C world. But, but to me, it's like, there's a lot of those things that to me, again, like the, the filter, I, I kind of run all of this through is like, are these conversations I'm having right now within my church and things that people are, are worried about? And there's just really not anybody at our church that has any interest in sending their kids to public school. There's, you know, there, there are definitely a lot of people in the South, especially who are still sending their kids to public school. But even those people are, are in the, even just in the last two years have started to wake up about that stuff. So I, I kind of think, you know, that that's one of those issues that's, that's kind of resolving in the, in the church right now. And, and it's kind of becoming more and more clear, like the cultural Christians, are the ones who just really don't care and and are happy to send their kids to public school, and and then the the Christians who are you know serious about their faith and their kids' faith are pulling them out because they're realizing this is. I mean, I got my hair cut yesterday by what seemed to clearly be a a non Christian that had moved out here from the north, and she was very interested in in understanding why all my kids were homeschooled. I was there with one of my kids and she was like, why isn't he in school? I was like, well, he's homeschooled. And, uh, and she said, yeah, I mean, public school is pretty dangerous these days, you know? And I'm like, like even this, <laughs> even this, this woman sees that public schools are not a great place for kids. Totally. Totally. Uh, so you've started doing some interviews. Is there anything, if folks want to go subscribe, what could we expect coming up from your channel? Yeah, I did a I did a killer interview with Pastor Rich Lusk on the topic of wisdom. It was it was um it was the wisdom of Proverbs contrasted with the wisdom of Ecclesiastes. And it was tremendous. It was it ended up being about two hours long. And I I'm guessing that Pastor Lusk and I will be doing a lot more videos. He's just down down the road in uh in Birmingham. They're actually they were our sponsor church when we planted our church here in Huntsville. So I imagine me and, and Pastor Lusk will do more. 
I think Pastor Lusk is a treasure in in the CRC world. If you don't follow him, you know, he's like the world's worst self-promoter, you know, but but he is um he may be the best teacher in our circles, like living teacher in our circles. He's just like the the analogy I use when I when I talk about Pastor Lusk is it's like that scene in the Matrix where Neo he gets plugged in and he like and and he's like downloading a bunch of martial arts and then like he opens his eyes after like squinting and goes, <laughs> I know judo, you know, like yeah. that's how I feel every time I sit through a, a a sermon from Rich Lusk. It's like it's like this massive download of of incredible information. And it's it's almost exhausting. Like you need to take a nap afterwards. So anyway, I'll probably have him on more. But just generally, yeah, I mean, it's it's more of the. It's more of the same, you know, content. It's just, you know, I, I've got a, I'm planning on talking about, about the, this concept of accepting Jesus into your heart and what, what the heck does that mean anyway? You know, parenting, discipline, teenagers, we've got a ton of teenagers in our home and a lot in our church. And so we're having tons of conversations about boys and girls and how that all works. Again, like most people in our circles are on board with the idea of, courtship and are not really into the idea of casual dating but aside from sure. the titles the those kind of catchphrases or titles there still seems to be a lack of a, a lack of wisdom out there um and it's just difficult cuz all of our kids are different and so anyway i do hope to do i wrote a thing called i called the indie manifesto back when i was doing a ton of music stuff and uh i, I hope to do a, a video soon about a a term i've coined i think i coined it called Popportunism. Popportunism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw somebody do something recently on this topic about like church music and why like uh, modern church music is so bad. And uh, it kind of tapped into this, this concept that I've had in my head about, about, uh, about just bad music in general. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So everyone can go subscribe there. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, man. It's, I mean, it's going viral, dude. I mean, I, I, there's, there's like, there's like tens of views on on these videos, so um, you know it's uh, it's blowing up. <laughs> Larson, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs>